Love that song. Jesus will outshine them all. All right, let's take our Bibles now. <clears throat> Romans chapter number 6, verse 16. Romans 6, 16. And we'll begin our study tonight. Just a brief uh, message about a servant's heart. You know, I just want to start off by saying this. Anybody that knows Jesus as personal Savior automatically wants to serve him. If you really know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's something go hand in hand and just, I want to do something for him. It's appreciation. It's reciprocal. We can never outdo what he did for us, but it's automatic that if you get to know Jesus, it's automatic. To, oh, my goodness, what did he do? He, he did that for me. What can I do for him? It starts out. Now, a person that's really not saved, um, I'm not the judge, but something's missing in people that don't don't want to serve him. It's a basic uh, requirement, really, that if if somebody does set something wonderful for you, that you you want to do something for them. Uh, you you just appreciate them. It's a thankful spirit. Um, so tonight, I want to praise God. Not, not for, uh, you know, not for anything that uh, I've done. I want to praise the Lord that he allows us to serve him. It is a privilege to serve God. Think of who we are serving. And what else I'm thankful for tonight is that he doesn't require much of it. It does, you know, in the Old Testament, you could bring a turtle dove. If you, if you could catch a bird in your backyard... And uh, you, if you wanted to give it to the Lord as an offering, you could. It would take a turtle dove. You know, they're all over the place. You hear them in the morning, right? I could do it, but I'm not really up on my bird calls. But they're just, they're so sweet. I love the sound of a turtle dove. They coo a pigeon. You could give a pigeon. The Bible says you could, if you didn't have anything to give, he would let you serve him by just scooping up some meal. There's a meal offering, a burnt offering, a meat offering. There's any number of things. You could go and you could join in with another family and give to the Lord. You could serve God by just going to the temple. In the New Testament, we, get, we can serve God by just showing up. By the way, you're serving God tonight. People say, well, I'm not doing anything. Oh, yes, you are. You're serving the Lord. Is that all it takes, Pastor, just showing up at church? That's the basis. That's the basics. You know, just being in church. And thank God for it. Look at Romans chapter 6, and uh, let's go to verse 16. Uh, the servant's heart is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I don't ever want to lose my servant's heart. I know it's been uh, strained before, but I don't want to lose that. I want to keep serving the Lord. Uh, let's look at verse 16, and let's hold our place there while we pray. Father, help us now tonight to never lose the servant's heart. We never want to lose that heart to serve God in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go to verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey. You, you just choose who you're going to obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. 
So is it is it true then that you could actually serve the devil? Yes. Yeah. Is it true you could serve the world? Yes. Is it true that you could serve your own desires and be concerned with self all the time? You could that you just pick and choose who you're gonna serve, but we all serve somebody or something. So look verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. That's the gospel. You obeyed the gospel. Do you understand then that the gospel is to be obeyed? You not only give mental assent to the gospel, but people know the gospel without being saved. So if you give mental uh, assent to something, that's not salvation. What, what you do when you get saved is you not only believe with your heart, but you confess with your mouth, and then you're saved. In other words, you, you could hear about Jesus and say, well, that's nice. But obeying the gospel is when you ask him to be your savior. It's simple. You open up your heart to the Lord. So that's, that's, that's how you obey the gospel. Many people have heard the gospel. Not all have obeyed the gospel. So we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then uh, made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now, wonderful, you serve righteousness. Verse 19, Paul says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now, yield your members, servants, to righteousness, unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. None of us are proud of our life before we got saved. None of us are proud of the flesh. None of us are proud of mistakes and sins that we've committed. That's not, we're not happy about any of that. So what fruit did we have? None. But look at verse 22 and 23, and we'll finish there. But now, being made free from sin and become servants... To God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how the simplicity of just serving God makes you free from sin and the, the salvation of the Lord Jesus once you re received it. You became the servants of righteousness. You actually have the ability to serve God now. Because when, when people are not saved, they can't really serve God. They can be used by God. They can, you know, God, God never has to uh, say, well, he's not, sa he's not saved, so I, I have no power over him. God could do anything he wants with anybody. Is that right? He did anything he wants to do. He can take an unsaved man and he can make, make that man do something for you as a saved person. He can bless you with the world. The unsaved people can actually be a tool in the, in the Lord's hands. But they're not serving him. We who are saved 
our servants. It, and remember, remember uh, when Brother Carlson went through the book of Job? That was fascinating. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And I don't mind taking a long time, you know, with, with a, a study. But, but it starts out when God and the devil had a conversation. The Lord asked him, have you considered my servant? Have you considered my servant Job? That he's a good man. There's none like him. He's, he's a shoes that which is evil. He cleaves to that which is good. He's a perfect man. Boy, God was so happy to take his servant and match him up with uh, <laughs> the, the devil. Now, we're no match with, for the devil without the Lord. Amen. We, don't, we can't fight him. But to know Christ Jesus is automatically to, to want to serve him. Look at Ephesians chapter number 6. So we, we have yielded our hearts to the Lord. And now we have an opportunity to be his servant. I want nothing more in my life than to be a good servant, a faithful servant. Good, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, enter into the joy of the Lord. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many, the Bible says. But look now in chapter number 6 and verse number 6. It says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. When I started serving God, it was very, very rudimentary. I was, an, I was a babe in Christ. I didn't know how to serve him. I didn't know what to do. I was in a church in San Diego. I got baptized. I started going to church. I learned that you're supposed to tithe. By the way, the word tithe means tenth. That's where they get that. It's a, it's a word for ten. So God says, I want you to... So the tithe was before the law in Abraham's day. That's before Moses. During the law. And then in Jesus' day, he, he told them to tithe. And then Paul said on the first day of the week... Uh, let every man lay in store. So the, the church is almost like a storehouse for the tithe. Still in this day, we, we run our church off that. And there's nothing wrong with it. And the critics, oh, they, oh it's not New Testament doctrine. Well, that's just because they're stingy. <laughs> they come up with doctrines based on their lifestyle. <laughs> I don't, there's nothing in the Bible that says you got to give a tithe in the New Testament. And I said, well, that's because you don't want to give a tithe in the New Testament. That's because you're not a cheerful giver. Oh, yes, I am. I'm cheerful. <laughs> hey, I like what my pastor said. The, the Lord loveth a cheerful giver, but he'll accept it from a grouch. <laughs> All right. So we have this service that God allows us to be part of. It's wonderful. Servants of Christ, verse 6, doing the will of God from the heart. So I, I learned how to serve God. Now, I'm not the best servant there is. There's lots of people that are much more, much more wonderful servants than I'll ever be. I just like hanging around people that serve God. Their whole life is wrapped up in serving God. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not sorry for it. Do you know that it could be possible that if I wasn't serving the Lord, 
that it just might be possible that I could be president <laughs> or I could be dead. <laughs> I got more amens on the last part of that. Wow. So I'm glad I'm serving the Lord. I'm glad, I'm glad I, I decided to serve him because apparently you'd never vote for me if I was running for president. I'm just glad that I've got, I got into a church that everybody served the Lord. My goodness, we were giving the gospel out to people and uh, painting the church and working around the house of God. You say, well, I don't like working around the church. It's just a rundown building. It's just nothing. Wait, 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 you're missing out. Uh, talk about mansions. Did you hear about the guy that went to heaven? And um, he, he and Peter, Peter meet, met him and said, uh, okay, what was your name? And he said, yeah, he told him his name. He says, I'm here to check into my mansion. He said, oh, come on, I'll show it to you. And he took his chart and he looked down the chart and found the guy's name. He said, okay, down this way. And as they're walking down the streets of gold and all these beautiful homes and mansions and he said, wow, that's beautiful. Whose is that? And Peter said, that's where Paul lives. Man, it was all gorgeous, beautiful. And they looked down farther. And he went through all the people down this row, all the famous people in the Bible. And Peter showed, showed in Peter's house all these big, huge mansions. got to the end of the street. And there was this little wooden cedar shack. And he looked at it. He goes, Okay, that, that's that's your house right there. And the guy said, "What? That that's 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 my house? It's a shack." What? He said, "Well, that's all you sent up here for us to build with." <laughs> I'm telling you, lay up treasures in heaven. It might it might mean something where you're living. <laughs> I don't know. It, I, that's not in the Bible, by the way. I just read that, That's just a story. It had nothing to do with Scripture. But it does, the Bible does say, lay up treasures in heaven where moth nor dust doth not corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal. Down here, it all corrupts. That's why I don't mind painting the church because there's something to that. I don't mind taking care of this place. I want to take care of the place. I want it to be clean. I, you know, I ran the vacuum this morning. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I got to do that. And now I'm kind of thinking like, uh-oh, my wife's going to get a hold of that one. <laughs> I, can see, I can see her wheels turning right now. Thinking, we have a vacuum at home, Pastor Shaver. <laughs> Is that what you might have been thinking? No, but okay. <laughs> Me and my big mouth. But, uh, you know, it's true, though, that there's lots to do around, around the Lord's house. And when you serve God, you're serving him personally. He takes it personal. We should praise God we have somebody to serve. Now, a servant's heart, there's a couple of elements to the servant's heart. And I want you to uh, go with me, please, to Philippians chapter 2. Let's turn over there. The first thing that you'll find a servant's heart is always humble. A servant's heart is, number one, humble. Philippians 2, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants, 
there it is, of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now, he was a servant. You notice that? The very first verse, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. If you serve the Lord, he adds things to your life. He gives you ability. He gives you direction. If you want to serve him, he will use you, but a servant must be humble. Not uh, seeking fame and glory and power and preeminence. And uh, when you serve, you, you, you give glory to the person who, who you serve. For instance, the Bible calls us ambassadors. And so we, we represent the king. We're, we're servants of the Lord. We put others first, and it's a very humbling thing. Uh, it's very humbling to serve the Lord, to know that we don't deserve to do it, but it's an honor, it is a privilege, and it's a great benefit to our lives to serve the Lord. And it's a humbling thing. I don't know very many servants that are very all proud because usually they don't last if they have a real streak of pride. You know, how many have met somebody in church that forgot that they were serving the Lord and that maybe they felt that they were the ones to be served? I've, I've even had people in leadership that acted like they were the ones that were to be served, not the ones that were doing the serving. Uh, my pastor, a long time ago, he, uh, he asked one of his staff members to come into his office, and they were talking, and he looked at his shoes. And he went over to the cabinet, and he told, who's the president of the college? And he was sitting down, and the pastor went over to the uh, bookcase and grabbed a, one of those old-time shoe boxes, you know, the shoe shine kit, the one where you put your foot up on that fake thing, flipped it up, opened, got on his knees, and shine his shoes. And it wasn't a fake thing. It was just, your shoes really need shine. And he, and he did it while he was talking to him. He's the pastor of the church. Now, I think if I tried that, it would, wouldn't be genuine. I, I'm not trying to copycat people, by the way. I don't, know, I don't like shining your shoes. <laughs> but, uh, no, really. I mean, there's things that people do that's genuine. And then there's stuff that people do just out of show. So a, genu a, a heart of a servant is first humble. Mm -hmm. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 18. The second element that we're going to talk about tonight is that uh, the, the element of being teachable. 
I've noticed sometimes in life where some Christians don't like to be taught anything. And we are servants. We have, we have a generation that it's in the United States that's dying right now. Uh, and they serve the Lord. They served him. They served their country. We'll talk about that in a minute. But be teachable. Let, let somebody teach you something. Always have a teachable spirit. Acts 18, verse 7. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house. This is Paul, named Justice. One that worshipeth God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. That's like I was thinking about my house joining up to David's in, in the, the servant's quarter. All right. And Crispus, verse 8, Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued, here it is, this is why he was able to continue there. He continued there a year and six months, it's a year and a half, what was he doing? Teaching the word of God among them, a year and a half. You know why he was able to stay there and teach? Because they had a teachable spirit. People that wanted to learn more about God. They wanted to learn the scriptures. By the way, by the way, he was an awesome teacher too. I love my teachers. I love the teachers that I had in college. I love my teachers now that I'm out of high school. Uh, just yesterday, I no, I, I got out of high school. I, got, I, I look back on my teachers that I had in grade school. My goodness fantastic women that loved God. Our music teacher in grade school went around with a harpsichord or whatever you call it. What's that? Uh, you, you, do the, you do the chords up here and you strum it. Auto harp. Yes, it's an auto harp. She went around to the portables and auto harp singing Christian songs. In 1965 and 66 and 67, she'd come to the portable <clears throat> and she, Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the sky. Ezekiel saw, we'd, we'd, we'd learn Christian songs in public school. You know, <clears throat> I thank God for my teachers because I've had some wonderful teachers. You ought to look back and thank God for your teachers. If they taught you, they gave their life to you. They gave some of their life to you. And, you know, these people in Corinth, they got to uh, sit and listen to the greatest Christian outside of the Lord Jesus, the Apostle Paul. I think he was one of the greatest Christians, if not the greatest preacher. And they had no idea who was in their presence, but they sat down. For a year and a half, he taught them. Thank God for your teachers. But don't lose the teachable spirit. A servant has a teachable spirit. A servant is a humble person. Um, <clears throat> and remember, in Berea, uh, they were no, more noble because they wanted to go home and search the scriptures to see if what was Paul was teaching was right. They had a teachable spirit. But it's hard to be around people that don't. 
sometimes uh, don't think you've got anything for them and they don't want to listen. <clears throat> but if we have a teachable spirit, it's a good... My dad taught me that. Know what he said? Now, by the way, we never went to church. I grew up, we never went to church. But my dad taught me something I never have forgot. He said, son, I don't care who it is, every single person in this world can teach you at least something. You can learn something from every single person in the world. I thought, that is so good. So have a teachable spirit. As a servant, we serve the Lord because we're humble and we have obeyed the gospel. We have yielded ourselves to righteousness. And now we are ready to be taught. And God is wonderful. He, By the way, did you know that Jesus taught more than he preached? He taught, he taught them. And there's some fantastic teaching in the Bible. If you look at it, Jesus taught them, taught disciple. Think about the word disciple. Discipline. He taught them how to discipline their lives. Disciple. Disciplined. That means they had a regular routine. Um, uh, uh, motivated by a, a code of ethics and behavior. That was discipline. Uh, we discipline our children, don't we? Some people think it just means you go and get mad at them and yell at them and put them on restriction. No, we're under discipline all the time. But discipline is wonderful. Jesus is trying to disciple us. That's where we get the word disciple. You cannot be my disciple if you do not take up your cross and follow me and, and serve me. And so God, God wants us to do this. We have a whole nation today of servants that are dying. World War II. Guess what today is? Today is D-Day. 77 years ago. 77 years ago, there was um, over a million soldiers. There were over, uh, that was over 23,000 paratroopers. President Eisenhower on the beaches at night uh, addressed the troops uh, that were going to fly over the English Channel into Normandy behind the enemy lines and jump out of airplanes and gliders at night in the dark without any light. They couldn't have a light because they, the enemy, so they were serving our country. They were serving. And by the way, you know what I learned? I learned that uh, one of the most wonderful things about World War II was General Eisenhower. You know what they did to him? They, they noticed that he was junior uh, to so many of the, uh, the uh, allied uh, generals uh, Montgomery and so forth over there they gave him four stars so that he would be uh, equal because they made him the allied commander of all the allied forces and on D-Day uh, he went over but guess what it was it was wonderful because the people that outranked General Eisenhower like Montgomery and some of the others I think there was Hodges and other other uh other men, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but there were others that outranked him, but they served him, and they were glad to do it. Did you know George, uh, I think it was Montgomery, he was in charge of American generals under him. He was in charge of Patton and some other generals, and they said, we don't mind it. He's a great guy. We don't mind serving. 
I don't mind, I don't mind serving other people. Man, if we can get the job done, I don't care who, what rank a person is. I don't, if, if I can be a blessing to you, I don't, I don't care how old you are in the Lord. I, I don't care if you've been saved 10 months. I can serve you. Yeah, I can serve people that, that know a little bit more than I do about something. I don't, have to, I don't have to be in charge of everybody's life. Pastors that do that make me sick. They want to run every, every single bit of your life. There's some of your life, it's not supposed to be run by the pastor. It's supposed to be run by you and the Holy Spirit and the Bible and the Word of God. The Bible says in Jeremiah uh, 3.15, I believe it is, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding and run every aspect of your life. No, that's not what the Bible says. We rule in the church, but we serve one another. We, we, don't, we don't run. We, but the Bible teaches us we're not supposed to be lords over God's heritage. By the way, I'm not your Lord. I would make a horrible Lord. Uh, unless I was in England, I, I, I don't want to do that. And maybe, maybe to a fault. Maybe I, don't, maybe I don't try hard enough to run your life. Maybe I should try harder. Some of you, I could help you. No. <laughs> but that's the thing. We serve one another. We don't lord over. You know, D-Day, what, what a tremendous... You know the, the soldiers over there? Thousands and thousands and thousands of them uh, took the trip over the Atlantic in troop carriers and airplanes, and they got all staged up in England, and they had to wait there. The weather was terrible. And over and over, they'd get all excited. You know, the, the term, hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. Hurry up, get ready, and wait. And it just drove them nuts. And they had to wait over and over. Several, several weeks and months of preparation. And it all had to be secret. And finally, the word came. Uh, and uh, Eisenhower got up from the table. He said, gentlemen, let's do it. Let's go. And off they went at night. And they, they traveled, but by the time they got there, uh, oh, there was, I think there was 4,400 vessels. Uh, there was something like, I, I think, six or seven battleships. There were thousands and thousands of people going across that English Channel, and so many of them died. The, the casualty rate was just horrible. America had the, 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 the worst beaches. Uh, Utah and Omaha beaches were the worst. And we took the brunt of it. And our guys, they're dying right now. They're all in their late 90s, most of them. And we're losing them. I, I got, in my Bible, I have um, a, a Pearl Harbor survival, uh, survivor autograph. And I, I just treasure that. Just the other day, we were at uh, the picnic at Hovander, or excuse me, yeah, Hovander. That's Hovander, isn't it? And we were there, and we went over to the veterans uh, gathering. Obviously, they, they must have it every year. That was our first time at a picnic there, and I talked to a 92-year-old World War II vet. And, you know, I said, uh, I said, I appreciate your service. I just want to ask you, do you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? 
And he goes, you know, I got a buddy that's always bugging me about that. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm bugging you now. I said, your time's, your time's wasting. I said, you ain't got much time left. I said, the sun's setting on you. You better make your decision. He, he, he received it very well, and I didn't say it like a smart aleck. I, I told him I was a pastor. And I had the right to preach. I, I, I told him who I was. He could have ran off if he wanted to. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he just, just, uh, I, I just, I just wonder how did our nation get to where there was so many thousands and thousands and thousands of people that loved our country and wanted to serve our country. You know, military, it's called the military service. You know, we serve as police officers. We serve as cooks. We serve our employer. We serve. We're in the service. With some people serve other people. Some people serve children. Some people serve at the hospital. We we serve. It's a beautiful title. I want to I want to be known as the servant of the Lord, because that's 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 the only thing I can do well. I, I don't know much else. I'm, I want to, if there's a pot of gold out there and it's just sitting there, I'd be pretty dumb not to go over and scoop it up. Amen? Amen? I mean, really, if there was a pot of gold out in the parking lot, wouldn't it be kind of dumb for us to just say, oh, that's just gold. I'll let somebody else have it. <laughs> oh, you're so spiritual. <laughs> Thank you. I'm taking it, you know. A, well, I just want somebody else to get the blessing. Good. Good. Aren't you a little greedy? Yeah. I want, I want to serve the Lord. He's got rewards. Oh, I just want somebody else to get my rewards. You're not too smart. You better get the rewards God wants for you. That's not wrong. I want to serve the Lord. I want to keep serving him. I tried to serve my country. I really did. And I'll, I'll serve my country anytime God wants me to. But I'm just glad I didn't die over there. A lot of people did. It was, it was terrible. The, the casualty rate was just amazing. Well, we, uh, we have 77 years ago on June 6, 1944, I wonder what would happen if our country had a problem now. I just don't think there's a lot of people that have that servant's heart anymore. I got it. I want it. You know, if I'm 95 years old, just put an M16 in my hand. <laughs> Wheel me up to the front lines. I'll fight. I'll fight for you. I'll fight for the Lord. I, I got nothing to lose. You know, America needs servants. Be a humble servant. Be a teachable servant. Be, be a faithful servant. Look at my, our last verse tonight, Revelation 22. I hope you understand that <clears throat> serving the Lord is the greatest privilege that you'll ever have. To serve God. <clears throat> Because in the, in the days when we're all done, 
and we're in heaven. And you say, what are we going to do up there? Well, I know one thing, we're going to eat. We're going to check into our cedar shacks or our mansions. We're going to, we're going to be blessed. We're going to sit down and we're going to eat the Lord's Supper. Look at verse 3 in chapter 22, uh, 1 through 3. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits. Have you ever wondered what kind of tree would bear twelve different kinds of fruit? I have two apple trees, and they're yet to, to, to yield. I don't know what's going to happen, but they better start yielding. But here's a tree that has 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. I don't know of a tree that yields fruit every month. I know some in what, September or uh, August and September? Okay, that's great. But this, this, this tree yields it every month, 12 different kinds, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. Here's the last phrase tonight. Think about this with me. And his servants shall serve him. We're going to be serving Jesus forever. Amen. He's worth it. He's worth it. Forever and ever and ever and ever. We'll never get tired of serving the Lord. His servants shall serve him. What a tremendous thought. I'm glad that our church tries its best to serve God. Let's bow our heads for prayer.